This Manage Smarter episode is brought to you by SalesFuel's Coach Feed, your AI-powered assistant sales coach. Improve your salespeople with automated regular coaching in just two minutes a day with CoachFeed. For more information, visit CoachFeed.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. So we, we're starting to sort of reopen the country, and we have an amazing expert today to kind of talk a little bit about finances and wealth, not only for businesses, but also for individuals if you've been damaged and completely wiped out by this, or minorly damaged. That's yeah, and also it's it's the psychological thing, you know, because uh, the, the past year or so, whatever, it's like, you know, there might have been a tendency to want to duck under the table, you know, and, 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 and just you know, protect the business that you have. And, you know, if you haven't done it already, really need to be taking a more aggressive stance because there's a ton of opportunities out there and uh, you need to be able to take advantage of those and get back into that entrepreneurial mindset that that you had before the pandemic. It is all part of managing. So welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the president and CEO of SalesFuel. All right, so the expert today, we are very lucky to have this gentleman at our microphones, Dr. John Demartini, best-selling author, educator, and leading human behavior expert. Dr. Demartini is the founder of the Demartini Institute, which has helped hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs and individuals break through their limitations and find success. And he is here to talk about those who were not prepared for the pandemic. I mean, who was? We've, we're living through history right now. None of us knew what was what to do in terms of coping with this and how to start shifting the money mindset, create personal wealth and financial survival. He's got business owner advice as well, trying to recover from all of this. So Dr. Demartini, welcome. Thank you welcome. for coming. Thank you for having me. So the wisest thing to do right now is to make a commitment to raise the value of wealth building on your list of values. You talk about that as sort of a starting point. Let's start there. What do you mean by that? Well, Money circulates through the economy from those who value it least to those who value it most. I want everybody to just think that through because if you have a high value on consumable items that depreciate in value, and the moment you get money, you buy those, you're handing your money over to other people and you're buying depreciables. So it'll never work for you. You'll be working for it. You'll be a slave buying depreciables that you accumulate in a house and store in a house to pay a mortgage to store it instead of actually buying assets. How so many of you out there have like three old iPhones laying around that you don't use anymore because they're old technology? Well, if you, if you keep buying things that go down in value, you're going down in value. If you don't have a higher value in your hierarchy of values, your priorities, to buy assets that go up in value, you're not ever gonna have money working for you. And that includes your business. If your business is an asset and it's growing, then great. But the hierarchy of your values dictates your financial destiny. It doesn't matter how much you make. What matters is how you manage what you make and you manage it according to what your values are. I know people that have difficulty paying their rent, but they can, they can go get their hair salon done. Mm-hmm. or they can buy the Jimmy Choo shoes. But if you don't have a value 
on putting a portion of your income into asset accumulation so you can create a reduction in taxes and a passive income, you're not going to have financial independence. You're going to be working as a slave your whole life for money. So therefore, the hierarchy of one's values dictates their financial management and destiny. So if you don't have a high value on asset accumulation and you have a value for immediate gratification for consumables, then you're going to be the 99%ers, not the 1%er. So as a salesperson, when you get that big commission check you know, for that success that you had, you may maybe sock some of it away, some of it in investments, some of investment in yourself, training, you know, uh, you know education, things like that, uh, marketing, you know, would, would you say that, that that makes sense? Absolutely. You want a, a little bucket for the first thing is the wealthy have always paid themselves first. In 1982, I started an automatic savings, a forced accelerated savings technology, and then a forced accelerated investment technology, where I had an electronic automation of a portion of the income either a percentage or a minimum amount, whatever's greater, each month, that would go into buying first savings, so I had a cushion. And once I had six months of a cushion, then I bought assets. I started buying stocks and shares and indices. I started buying real estate. And I didn't have, it wasn't an emotional thing, because emotions destroy wealth. It was a strategic automated electronic mechanism that it automatically took out my money. If you do not put money towards things that go up in value, entropy will automatically bring you unexpected bills and depreciable situations. Just like in time management, if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it fills up with low priority distractions that don't. If you don't put your money into high priority asset accumulating money development, it automatically gets eroded by entropy into things that are unexpected. So I pay myself first, it automates it electronically, there's no emotion about it, and then I increased it and accelerated every quarter. And I put a demand on myself because maximum growth and development in business is at the border of comfort and uncomfort. The second you get comfortable, you need to push it up again. And I increased it, believe it or not, from $200 a month to three to five, to 750, to 1,000, to 2,000, to 4,000, to 8,000, to 16,000. I doubled it every certain period. I increased it 10% every quarter until it was over $250,000 a month. And I was making millions of dollars a year because I demanded it and didn't wait to see if it came in. I forced it in. And then I ended up going and making sure that I dedicated my life to the maximum efficiency of service to the most amount of people I could possibly do. If I prioritize my actions dedicated to serving people and I force my savings and investments regularly where there's no option, I have a higher probability of it because there's no risk in saving and investing money. There's no risk. You have the money to pay the bills. But what happens is you end up more effective and more efficient and a higher margin. If you don't wait for margins, you make the margins up front. And I can tell you that when you really value wealth building, you increase the probability of having it in your life. And so I have what I call six steps to wealth. I found six things common to the billionaires that I've interacted with and consulted with or worked with. Six things. One is they built a business that served ever greater numbers of people. If you don't have a work ethic, 
and you don't have a desire to serve ever greater numbers of people, then you're kind of living in a fantasy that I'm desiring all this money and financial independence without actually having a, a commitment to service. Because service is the, fa the, the factor. Look at Bezos. He was dedicated to serving vast numbers of efficiency. He was dedicated to customer service. That's why he's the wealthiest man on the planet. So writing down the benefits and stacking up the advantages of actually going out and caring about human beings and humanity and serving them is one of the first steps. If you have a big enough reason for doing it, you'll do it. The second one is writing hundreds of benefits on managing the business effectively and efficiently to maximize profits. Ricardo's law, Parkinson's law, Pareto's law, the most efficient prioritized actions you can do that actually dedicated to service that are proven to give service. The third one is a forced accelerated savings, invest, saving an ever great, greater portion of whatever that is that you're making off the profits. Don't wait for the profits, just do it. The fourth one is uh, writing benefits of investing in ever greater degrees of leverage and actually moving up the classes of investment to higher degrees of leverage to actually leverage the investment returns. The next one is, the fifth one is having uh, an accumulation of fortune. If you don't have a desire for an accumulation of fortune, you will end up buying clutter. People that have a, a reason for actually building wealth, money with meaning leads to philanthropy. Money without meaning tends to lead to debauchery. So the last one is the sixth step of wealth is creating a financial cause that leaves a legacy because the greater your cause, the greater your potential for wealth. Because otherwise financial independence comes a lot easier, but having a cause that is something greater than yourself that is designed to make you go and work beyond your needs of working. You know, I don't work because I have to work. I, I, the whole purpose of financial independence is to have your wealth accumulated to such a degree that you're going to work because you love to, not because you have to. If you're not tap dancing, working, not doing something you love to do, you're sitting there, got a brake on without a gas pedal. So it's important to have something that is inspiring to you and putting all six of those steps in your mind and writing down the benefits of doing those and having those and putting that higher on your value list increases the probability of you spotting opportunities, taking and making decisions and acting on the very action steps that are proven to build wealth. Let's review that for a second. So what was the first one again? Uh, creating a, a business that serves ever greater numbers of people. So, you know, in, in talking about a sales team or a, if you're a salesperson listening to this, but you know, typically we have, we have managers listening to this show. Uh, it's as simple in many cases as, you know, when you make a commitment to somebody that you're going to show up for a meeting, you show up when you show up, you're well prepared for it. And you actually show up for the meeting. When you promise somebody you're going to do something for them, you do it. <laughs> and when, I mean, it's like, because it's not just, it's not just about, I mean, it's about the service part, right? It's, 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 and so it, it surprises me how many people, particularly salespeople, you know, well, they'll make a sale, they'll promise either delivery or, you know, that this product's going to do, solve this problem for you or whatever. And then they vanish and they're off to the next sale without actually providing the service part seems to me that that's not a good way then to make repeat sales. And I actually, and I think that's a good analogy for what you're talking about here as far as building wealth, because you're just having to resell the same, sell a new client then to make up for the client you just lost. Well, the thing is, is that you, if, you know, I, I did a presentation one time. I said, if you're poor, it's because you don't care about humanity. You're not caring about the customer. Mm -hmm. You care about the customer. Caring about the customer 
is not being careless where you minimize them and exaggerate your importance. It's not careful walking on eggshells, minimizing you and exaggerating their importance. It's having a sustainable, equitable, fair exchange mentality towards caring about what their true highest values and needs are and finding a way to directly or indirectly provide it. If your product service or idea delivers it, great. If not, you care enough about them to get them in front of the people that can. And you not only have to respect your money, you have to respect their money. You have to respect their money. They're making every decision every human being is making is based on what they believe at that moment will give them the greatest advantage over uh, disadvantage to what they value most in their life. If you don't care enough about them to find out what they value and really discern that and not make assumptions and projections and really listen to their needs and you care about that, now if you do and you create a true delivery of what you claim so you have integrity with it, you're going places. You're going to go somewhere and then you're going to have a profit and then you're going to save. If I'm in a hole from COVID-19 with my business or my personal finances, is this a good time to take the six steps and use that as an audit tool in a sense, and then find new ways to exit out and rebuild? Or do you have steps specifically for that scenario as well? The COVID is a gift. You know, it's never what happens to us. It's our perception, decisions, and actions. We have control over our perception, decisions, and actions. COVID is simply an event there. If you sit there and want to blame and be a victim of history, well, then that's foolishness. You want to be a master of destiny? You ask a simple question. What is the highest priority action step I can do now with this reality that can help me serve ever greater numbers of people? And if you're not resilient enough, adaptable enough to now meet the new needs of what people need, You're not caring about humanity. You're caring about projecting a past job onto people. You have to care enough about finding out what their need is today. Then you have to go and meet that need. And if that means going online to meet that need, if that means finding new ways of delivering it on that need, whatever it takes to meet that need, if your innermost dominant thought is not their service and and serving them, you don't, don't expect to have a viability during a time of whatever the circumstances. If you're comparing current reality to a fantasy of how it used to be or how you hope it will be, you're not getting present with what it is and using it. I always say, take whatever you're experiencing in reality right now and asking, how specific is it helping me fulfill my service, my commitment and service to this customer? How am I going to meet this individual's needs? If I do that, I'm not going to have a problem growing a business no matter what the outer circumstances are. Because there's people out there that are boom because they met the needs so it's not COVID that's causing a problem with the business. It's the people not adapting to the change that COVID brings. And that's really the foundation of all that, because it's like if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to do steps two through six that you mentioned. Is that a fair assessment? Well, you first start with a, a real commitment. In the Book of Wealth by Hubert Hal Bancroft, which is a 10-volume series that was handed out to the wealthiest people on the planet, which I was blessed to get an, at auction, He said in there that there were three common denominators of people that are vast fortunes. One was that they feel by divine providence and human sovereignty that they're felt destined to serve vast numbers of people. You can't fake this. If it's something in your blood to want to go out and make a service to people and find solutions to major problems on their planet, this is the key to it. The second one is that they wanted to invest their money into something that elevated the standards of human beings across the planet. So they're, they're taking the people who are the masters of their arts and their fields or whatever and investing in inspiration, not rescuing desperation, not robbing people of dignity, accountability, responsibility, and productivity. If they do that and they keep doing it, the whole, the whole ecological and you know, economic gain goes up. 
And the third one is that they basically uh, realized that they had transcended the moral hypocrisies dealing with money. If people think that money is the solution to everything or the terrible, evil thing, and they got emotions associated with it, money runs them. They have to transcend it and realize it's simply a measuring mechanism of having create sustainable, fair, equitable exchange with human beings. It's a measure of how well you're able to do that. And if you do that voluminously and, and, and efficiently, you're going to have an abundance of money coming in to be able to save and invest and to create a financial independence and sustainable passive income. It's about a passive income in life. It's not just the act of working all your life as a slave. It's about using money wisely and having it work for you so you can go to work doing what you really love to do in life. I can almost hear a couple of, of the listeners now who, who are thinking to themselves like, what about the evil people then that lie, they cheat and everything like that and somehow make, still make a lot of money? You know, that, that, history, that's... History eventually erodes them in their, who they marry, what they deal with, you know, the heroes and the villains. If you believe that somebody's a hero without having the villain side, you have an illusion, you're blind. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're infatuated with somebody, you're conscious of the upsides and unconscious of the downsides. Or if you resent somebody, you're conscious of the downsides, unconscious of the upsides. If nothing else, they teach other people lessons of sustainable fair exchange. So I don't, I don't sit and have, I don't waste my time judging those people out there. I'm more focused on what I can do and what's wise and what's fair and what's sustainable. That allows me to get there. And then I end up having it. Even though you might have a, a bad haircut, you don't stop getting a haircut. Even though there may be a few people that are they're going out and having to learn their lesson the hard way, you don't distract yourself from doing what works. That's the key that makes things in your long-term advantage is doing something that serves. You go to bed at night with a clear consciousness and you have a fulfillment in life knowing you made a difference. If I, when I've interviewed millions of people around the world, what is the most fulfilling moments in their life? It's when they did something that was a service to others in a fair exchange. Yeah, I love the six steps, uh, Dr. Demartini. Demartini.inc backslash web is your website and your Dr. John Demartini on your LinkedIn and Facebook. How would you like people to reach out to you if they'd like to talk to you more, doctor? All they have to do is go to drdemartini.com actually. And right. on there, there's, there's, you can find out what I'm doing. You could probably spend the rest of your life it's a great website. Just everybody. on the just on the yeah. articles and media page. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have thousands, fantastic thousands. I mean, I, I've written for fifteen hundred newspapers and magazines around the world. So there's thousands of articles and newspapers and magazines and videos, and it's an educational website. So I, I take advantage of it. That's all I can say. Is take advantage of it. Sounds good. Thank you for your time. We really learned a lot today. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.